On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to talk about cannabis, cannabis stores. Should Hamilton be having them? City Council debated it for hours and hours and hours. Is this something we want to have in our city? And at Christmas time, when we start to hear those songs like We Are the World and Tears Are Not Enough, Jamie West and I are going to break down that earlier one, We Are the World, solo by solo. Which of the artists that sang on that over 30 years ago are still around? You may be surprised. Take a listen. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Long debate today in council. De- uh, debate and listening to deliberations, or sorry, delegations from people in the public about whether the city should be open to the idea of allowing bricks and mortar pot shops. Not pop shops. Had those in the 70s. Missed those. Great bottles, great flavors. No, no, pot, cannabis, marijuana. Should the city be allowing private cannabis stores to operate here in the city. The positives are, as the argument goes, that they would presumably be more able to be scrutinized, to be looked over, to be monitored than the alternatives, and also that allowing them would allow Hamilton to bring cash in, more cash, the way the thing is working apparently with the federal government. The downside seems to be a lack of control over where they could be and whether or not this might actually cost the city more money. Now, by the end of this long debate today, this issue got put over to a council meeting on January the 14th. So we didn't really have an answer yet, but I wanted to bring on Councillor Sam Rula, Ward 4 Councillor Sam Rula, who's been in the middle of this discussion, uh, to talk a little bit about this. Sam, thanks for doing this today. My pleasure, Scott. There are a lot of different pieces of this that I want to talk about, if we can. And let's start with the cost, because this one's a bit confusing to a lot of people, Because seemingly if we have privately run marijuana or cannabis stores in the city and we're going to get more money coming from the federal government for allowing this from the taxes, but you've raised the issue that this could possibly cost the city more money. How would that work? Well, the only guarantee we have is um, the first two years. Subsequent to that, uh, there is no guarantee. So we're not dealing with a capital expenditure. We're dealing with an operating expenditure, which means that if we hire additional police officers or additional licensing staff, that will be perpetual and built into our budget ongoing. So there is no plan to provide any money after the second year. Now, if we opt in, legally we'll never be able to opt out. So because of the the radical changes that are occurring mm-hmm. so quickly before us, the SAGE approach would be to opt out originally or initially, and we still receive close to $600,000 from the first year, and to assess how it's working out in other uh, municipalities that have decided to opt in. Mm. The question is very clear. The York region was asked how much would this cost from a policing perspective. They came back and it's a $6 million impact annually. So in asking our licensing department, they came back and it's a, a half a million dollar cost. And in, in in saying that, these are ongoing costs that ultimately will be be paid for by the general levy or by the residential taxpayer. The you know, sorry, the idea though that we can't ever go back on this if we were to vote for it. There are a lot of things that we maybe over the years change. Why could we not undo this no. if it turned out that this didn't happen or this That's, happened didn't work? That's the option that the the province is giving you, right? So they're saying if you opt in, you can't get out, but if you opt out, you can get in at a later date. 
So knowing that things, this is moving, this is like nailing jello to the wall, uh, we need to, I thought we need to step back, take a look at it, uh, assess it, see how other municipalities are working out, and then move forward and use that as leverage because we apparently are the the hottest bed in the province when it comes to cannabis. So that's a significant amount of revenue for the province, significant amount of revenue for the federal government. And I think if we played our cards intelligently and we incrementally work towards uh, having these legal dispensaries, that we could work a better deal out with the province and the federal government or just with the province. So that's where basically uh, my position is presently. And I I think that today that component did move forward. We did not opt in to date, but what was deferred was a motion I brought forward to opt out. So we decided the one vote was to defeat staff's recommendation to opt in. My motion to opt out was referred uh, for January 14th uh, for further uh, discussion and input with respect to the costs associated with policing. And if we decide to opt out, we can always opt in later. This is not a question or a debate regarding the issue of cannabis and whether or not it should be legal. This is just about the issue that at present what's on the table is a bad deal with the province. And half of our operating budget is already connected to provincially shared programs that is regressive in nature, meaning no matter how much money you make, um, you're paying through your residential taxes or through your rent, and it impacts the most vulnerable in our community. So people have to understand that half of what they pay in municipal taxes, city council has no control over because of the province. Why would we be complicit in compounding that problem when they're asking us, do you want to opt in or out uh, and actually consent to increasing that burden on a residential taxpayer, that's what I find is beyond the pale. And that's what I'm trying to fight against. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Chatting about the debate that was going on, debate discussion that was going on all day long down at Hamilton City Hall. I'm sure that at certain points along the way, some of the councillors were wishing they had some medicinal marijuana at their fingertips. <laughs> uh, Sam Marula, councillor for Ward 4, joins us. Uh, Sam, just before the break, or one of the things you were saying just before the break, and I caught this during the day, and you brought it up again, and that is there were people saying that Hamilton is Ontario's number one cannabis-using city. Is that yeah. true? Uh, apparently, and uh, the police have uh, indicated today as well that per capita we were, we were that uh, we met that criteria as well. So, in essence, it is a hotbed. It's going to be a significant amount of revenue for the province and the, and the federal government. The problem is, it's not going to be a significant amount of revenue for the city of Hamilton. So, no, and that's why, fair enough. But the one of the things that people will say is if, and I didn't realize this, I had never heard that before. But if we are this enthusiastic about our cannabis use, will not having these legal stores push people to go back to their neighborhood dealer? That that's the criticism to this. Well, that is a legitimate concern, but the reality is there's also a um, a difference between what the legal marijuana will cost versus that of the street level. So regardless, uh, people are delusional to believe that once we have two stores or three stores that are legal, that some, somehow the illegal or black market's going to disappear. The police acknowledge it won't disappear. It's here for the long haul. Not too dissimilar to tobacco, where we've seen an increase as a result of increases in taxes in tobacco. So the problem of the black market is not going to be solved by the legalization. 
uh, unless, of course, they, they compete toe-to-toe price-wise. So that won't happen. It's so interesting oh. you say that, though, because you're one of the few people that I've heard uh, from an official capacity who's willing to acknowledge that this is not going to be the end of the black market. We keep hearing that this is going to be the utopia that will kill off all the neighborhood dealers. Nonsense. Uh, I, I don't know why anybody would believe that, because frankly, anyone that's 19 years of age and younger can't access the legal market. Hence, um, they're going to go to the black market. Um, so there's no nothing's going to change along those lines. Unless, of course, somehow they, they tap into their parents' cannabis at home, but I'm not sure what the probability of that is. So um, back in our day, it was, it was the wine and the beer, right, from our parents. Uh, maybe that, that this will change the, the entire culture of uh, Hamiltonians and Canadians. But having said that, the black market's here to stay. The police even acknowledge it. Ultimately, the storefronts that are illegal will most likely disappear, but the black market won't. Maybe, because one of the big discussions today all along was that we've got a lot of these storefronts now that are not necessarily legal, and the police are having a difficult time finding the resources and the time and the bodies and everything else to get rid of them. So even they may or may not go somewhere. Well, they say that originally, they're probably going to, initially they're probably going to stay, they're going to be very visible, but ultimately with time, at least they believe, their perception is, that or their understanding that they will be decreased because the enforcement aspect and the punitive measures of the law will 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 be a deterrent for them to not exist. So once it all depends on the courts, right? Because if the courts are just going to slap these guys on the wrist, they're going to continue existing. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because there was talk today of just how much money they can make. They can make a lot of dough. Well, we had a person come in there. This is really astounding and surreal to us, but we were sitting in a public meeting with police presence, and a person sat up and stood up and said, "We, I was making $85,000 a day, tax-free, um, and, and uh, that's, how, that's how lucrative it is. So not only did they admit that they were committing a crime, but that they were evading taxes as well. Uh, it was the most surreal uh, delegation I've ever heard in my life. But it says something about why, if it is a slap on the wrist from the courts, why you would accept a slap on the wrist and go right back to doing it. That's that's exactly. a lot of dough. But if they, if the courts now, with the, the parameters they've set, if you're going to go to prison for 14 years, I, I think that will be a deterrent, or seven years, or five years, or a $250,000 fine might not sound significant, but if it's every charge, it does that up ultimately. So... It really is going to be in the hands of the courts to determine whether or not these illegal storefronts continue to exist. Because if I tell you, and and the police will agree, if they're lenient, they'll continue to exist. If they come down heavy on them, the probability is they will be eliminated. One more thing. We have time for one more. That is this. If I understand correctly, and please correct me where I got it wrong here, that the province has said that across the province to begin, there will be 25 licenses. And I think I read seven in Western Ontario, which we count as. So if I've got, if I understand this correctly, even if you had voted today as a council to okay this, there's no guarantee that Hamilton would have had one of these. Is that correct? That's correct. It's a lottery system to boot. So we are in in competition with all of the other municipalities in southwestern Ontario uh, for seven licenses to start. But I'm not sure if that's just simply a ploy to give people or cities a sense of security, that they won't be inundated. But apparently the supply uh, can't meet the demand, and hence the reason why they're doing it incrementally or giving out these uh, licenses incrementally. But who's to say that in a year or two years from now that that number doesn't escalate significantly and suddenly we're 
we have a, we're inundated with with licenses, right? And that's why we have no control over it. And hence, another reason why a lot of us are are opposed is because not only do we take a financial hit, we don't control um, uh, who gets these licenses. We have no revenue source from the licenses because we can't even license them ourselves. So we can license a bar, we can license a, a restaurant, and we can monitor them and police them. But these these uh, facilities or these storefronts will be only directly responsible and accountable to the province and not to the city. Councillor Sam Marula, I really appreciate the time today. I wish we had more, but I appreciate you taking some time to talk about this. Thanks. No, my pleasure. Take care, Scotty. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We have success. He's been working all day filling in for Scott Thompson, so I'm sure what happened was he turned off his phone, threw it out in the backyard and said, that's it, I've had enough radio for the day. Or something like that. But Jamie West joins us now. Jamie, how are you? Hey, Scott. I'm great. Listen, I'm sorry I'm late, but, you know, I've got a good excuse. I, I was in a major conference with a fat guy with a red suit and a white beard. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, you had to step away from Santa? Well, you, you know how that goes. I mean, you're not just allowed to walk away from the big man when he's in deep conversation with you. And even you weren't enough to make him break that meeting. He said, no, no, we're going to finish here. Scott Radley can wait. I'm just glad that you specified when you said the fat man who you were with, that you specified that it was Santa, because we don't want to leave any questions about who that might have been. <laughs> exactly. Somebody might have got their feelings hurt if we had just left that open-ended. <laughs> i tell you why we have Jamie on, because Jamie's already done three hours of radio today filling in for Scott Thompson, and so his voice is shot, his brain is fried, he's gone through everything, but... Last week, we were chatting about Tears Are Not Enough, which is the Northern Lights song the Canadian singers did like 30 years ago. We were breaking it down because it's been a long time now to see how those singers have done. And you know what? We were having fun with that. And so I said, why don't we do, I jokingly said, why don't we do We Are The World? Because it was the American one. And we both said, well, yeah, why don't we do We Are The World? Now, we're not going to do the British one. And I'll tell you why we're not going to do the British one, because this is it where we stop today. Because the British one, as I went and watched it, they gave Paul Young, like, most of the entire song to sing, and I don't want to talk about Paul Young doing all these solos, so we're just going to stick with the American one at this point. Uh, anyway, Jamie West, what was before we even started this one, were you more of a fan of the Canadian version, more of a fan of We Are The World, or more of a fan of the Band-Aid British version of these songs to raise money? Oh, well, I, I love the British version of that song. I mean, to me, that's that's that beats all three of them hands down, or beats all the other two hands down. That's nothing can touch that. Do you do you not think so? I actually, my favorite is the Canadian one, believe it or not. But the British one would be second. We are the world to me is is third on the list, although it's still a good song and it sold about twenty trillion copies. It's uh, fifth on the list. Uh, you've got two other ones. Yes, you've got the uh, the one from Swaziland and the one from Costa Rica, which were ahead of it as well. Madagascar. The Madagascar, yeah, the Madagascarian greatest hits. But anyway, yeah. let's do what we did last week. We're going to yeah. go through this. We're going to start the song, and you have not, I don't think, been listening to this lately. So we're going to, you got to see if you can figure out. People can play along at home, see if you can figure out who the voice is who's singing, and we'll see if these people who in 1984 were the biggest stars in the world, if they have survived as far as stars, or if we can even remember their names and their voices. Here we go. Lisa can start the song. There comes a time 
Now, do you Lionel. recognize that voice? Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, indeed. Now, that and he was one of the two. He wrote that with Michael Jackson, so he, of course, gets to start it off because, you know, you write it, so you get to sing it first. Uh, Lionel's still with us, and you know what the amazing thing is about Lionel Richie? I saw a picture of him not that long ago. I don't know if he is simply a youthful man or if he has had some extensive and successful cosmetic surgery, but he looks exactly the same. I know. I saw him in uh, one of those uh, Ameritrade ads or whatever from the states that are hilarious, and and but that's really him. I've, I've looked at that he's always looked that way. He's just got that smooth, cool African skin. These a lot of those guys with African heritage, they never age. Lucky devils. He looks amazing at this point, and he, uh, yeah, you 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 could see him now and say, you know, there's not much difference between this and 1984, and. Uh, so, all right, so there's Lionel Richie, but at the end you heard a duet coming in. Here, here. Well, let's pick it up. Who see who comes in next? Okay. There are people dying. Oh, you don't get much time to figure that one out. Stevie Wonder. Wow. Now, did you know that or did you recognize that? I recognized it. No, that's yeah. very good. Stevie. Now, see, Stevie doesn't have, Stevie still looks largely the same. Except for the fact that, like me, um, he has some follicular challenges in his later years. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 braids are still there. They just now start <laughs> way back. <laughs> they yeah he he is he's got the skullet going right now. <laughs> I like that the the skullet. Yeah no it. it's it's starting back where the male pattern baldness would pick up and it's uh, with a few strands hanging in for dear life at the top. But yeah, he's, uh, he, he's still going. He's still with, I, I'm not surprised he got a gig up this far up in the song. I'm just surprised he only got one, two, four words. Now he comes in later, I think, but four words does not seem like much for a guy like Stevie Wonder to get. Not with his uh, heritage, that's for sure. We continue. That Smokey one, Robinson. No, no, that's, that's a that's that a smoky? no, that's a great guess. That's a great guess because I could hear that now that you say it. No, Paul Simon. Paul, Paul Simon. Simon. Paul Simon. Yes. Okay. Yes. Who at that time? And this is the weird part about this because I was doing a little. As I was pulling this up, I was doing a little looking into this. When Paul Simon was asked to do this, he was basically a nobody at this point. He, his career was done. And it was a year later that Graceland came out and he became revived. But at the time he did this, he was, he was yesterday's news. Simon and Garfunkel was way in the rearview mirror. So it was sort of strange that they brought him into this one. Yeah, he was just a bridge over troubled water. I guess that was our Garfunkel song anyway. Yeah, no, he was, yeah, you're right. The next year he exploded with Graceland. Yeah, it turned out to be okay. This, this seemed to be a launching pad for him, but it, was, uh, it wasn't at that moment. All right, let's keep going. Kenny Rogers. The chicken man. Yeah, roast chicken. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Now, now, as much as we said that Lionel Richie looks exactly the same. <laughs> You're going right where I wanted you to go with this. Oh, you can pick it up. Kenny Kenny has not had the same blessings. Oh, he had a very, very bad plastic surgeon. <laughs> very bad. 
very bad. <laughs> that was totally botched. Ken, oh, Kenny, what uh, have you done to yourself? It, it, it did not work out so well for Kenny. Well, uh, Kenny ended up looking like a... He ended up looking like a 70-year-old woman who'd had a facelift. That's the problem. With a beard, yeah, which is a really bad look when you put it all together. I think he can still sing. I mean, he's still out there. He's still doing his thing. He's got to be in his 80s now, or at least close to it. But Just don't look at him. Well, because he would have been... He had to have been close to 50 or in his 50s when he did this. He already had the gray hair going. This was around the time of the Islands in the Stream with Dolly Parton kind oh, of thing. So, I remember that. Yeah, so he was already maybe, I don't know if he was early gray or whatever, but he has to be close to 80, give or take now. All right, if, if Kenny Rogers was a little, you got Kenny Rogers quickly, but anyone who struggled with that one, I don't know that anybody... I'm just giving you fair warning. I don't know if anybody is going to know who comes up next. Oh, I'm going to take a shot at it. I, and, and, this, and this is really not based on true, on true voice recognition. It's more based on who was around at that time. Um, and, and really the clue is the, the hangers-on that we talked about with tears are not enough last week. I'm going to say that's Al Jarreau. That's a great guess. That's not right, but okay. James Ingram. James Ingram. Now, I have right. no, I barely remember that name, period. I have no idea what's happened to James Ingram. And boy, oh boy, if anyone, like some of these people we talk about, Paul Simon using this song as a launching pad, uh, this was the opposite for James Ingram. It propelled him into a vacuum or something. I have no idea who he is. Yeah, he did a couple of duets uh, in the uh, 80s uh, with a couple of female vocalists. I want to say Denise Williams, but I think that's incorrect. Um, He did a couple of those love ballad duets. Clearly. You know, people can look that up online, but... Well, James Ingram. By the way, we're going through solo by solo from We Are The World. It's Christmas time. These were fundraising songs. They were huge at Christmas back in the 80s. Catching up with who was in these things. Next up. We all are part of God's great big family. Oh, Tina. Tina Turner. Yeah, not used to hearing Tina that sort of low key. Tina was usually rocking it a little more. But yeah, Tina Turner, who was, again, at, at the height of her celebrity at that point. Absolutely, the the biggest uh, with that album, Private Dancer, and a world tour uh, that she was on that extended through, I think, almost three years of, of world tour off, off that one record. And I and, just remember uh, her at Live Aid with Mick Jagger. Oh, that was the greatest performance of Live Aid next to Queen. Probably, that was, yeah. That was, that was just really sizzling. That was awesome. All right. Now, if you pay close attention, the next one, the voice is very unique. You'll, you'll get this next one if you're paying close attention. And the truth, you know love is all we need. He's still around. Oh, wow. And I'll give you a hint. He, at once a month, he's still playing Madison Square Garden. Billy Joel. Billy Joel with a full head of hair. Jumps in on that one right after Tina Turner. Uh, yeah, and Billy Joel still, you could argue actually, of all the people who are in this, the biggest current star 
who's still at the is who's still able to sell places, sell out places. I mean, Billy Joel might be the biggest guy at this point still going. Pro- yeah, I would agree. I, I would never have guessed that though at the you time. Given me the Madison Square, no, I w- you, I wouldn't have guessed him correctly if you hadn't mentioned Madison Square Garden. That's that's what because otherwise I, I had no idea who that was. All right, let us keep rolling because we're falling way behind here. Here we go. Here's okay. the biggest. Here's the big star. You know that one. MJ. Yeah, no longer with us, so I can't really say that. I mean, he's a big star, but not really doing much these days. Uh, let's keep rolling. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true, we make a better day. Just you and me. It's not LaToya, is it? Well... No, but it's someone else who was very closely affiliated with Michael Jackson. Janet? No. No, someone who some people said that Michael oh, Jackson be- began Diana looking Ross. like. Yes, Diana Ross is the answer. Uh, who Again, huge star then, still around, although you don't hear much about Diana Ross anymore. Anyway. No, but a legend. Uh, absolutely a legend. We continue. Dionne Warwick and Willie Nelson. Wow, yeah, Dionne Warwick, who I think most people of a certain era only know for that song. Uh, what was the song she did with uh, Elton John and um, Stevie Wonder? Oh, that, that, that's what friends are for. That's what friends are for, yes. Uh, but yes, okay, well, you got the second one too, so let's roll into him here. You caught my thing there about rolling into Willie Nelson. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he smoked a big cracker before he went on and did the bet. The, it was, someone pointed out this too, which I hadn't caught on to, but it's really funny. They said, this is the strangest line of the entire song. As God has shown us by turning stones to bread, in nowhere in the Bible or any other holy book does God turn stones into bread. There is no religious background or things where in any way there is a story of God turning stones to bread. So people are like, what are they talking about? Well, Willie had a vision. You know how Willie is after he hits the bong a little too hard. Well, in fact, if you read in the Bible when Jesus is being tempted, the devil says, why don't you turn these stones to bread? And he says, no. So really, what this is saying is do the opposite of what you're supposed to. It's a very weird line to throw in the middle of this song. I don't know what Michael Jackson was thinking when he wrote those lyrics. Anyway, we continue. And this one, I'm going to give you a hint. You already mentioned this name. You're way ahead of the game. All right. So we all must Before we get to the second one, who was the first one? That was Al Jarreau. That was Al Jarreau. Again, who in the world is Al Jarreau? He's a jazz singer, I know, but has he done anything since? Is he with us since? I don't even know. Nothing that I can note. No, I can't note that either, but we'll roll in because you know this next one. Here we go. Mr. Broadway these days. Yes. Uh, 
Springsteen. So I, you know what? I'll take back my Billy Joel. I, I, if if Billy Joel isn't the most successful guy today from this, it's it's between him and Bruce, and probably Bruce. Oh, I'm giving it to Bruce. I'll, sure. I'll give it to Bruce. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that he was coming up. I don't know how I forgot that one, but okay, B- B- Billy would be second, but Bruce has to be first on the list of those who have extended their careers into this. Next one is going to be tough, and when we're talking about bad plastic surgery, if you've seen this guy lately, he's in the Kenny Rogers plastic surgery department. I'm sorry to say that. Listen to this guy. We are the one to make a brighter day, so let's start giving. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins, who, I'm sorry, Kenny was a, a Kenny was a decent looking man. Oh man, oh, you know, yeah. there is yeah, something Kenny. there is something horrible about the fear of getting old that causes people to do stuff. Because he was a good looking man and not so much anymore. He can still sing. He still got a voice. I, I was watching him on YouTube. He was doing a thing. Daryl Hall now has this show on YouTube called Live from Daryl's Place. Which is awesome. He has a bunch of artists come in and they just jam with Daryl Hall in a band, and it's terrific. And Kenny Loggins, I didn't recognize Kenny Loggins when he showed up. That bad. It's that unfortunate. All right, I'm going to tune in after I get out of here. I'm going to go to YouTube. There you go. Uh, let's keep going. One of the great rock voices that disappeared roughly around the time this came out. That is Steve Perry from Journey, and he didn't disappear until about 1992, which was about seven years later, because Journey recorded an album that, that spun a single called When You Love a Woman. I forget what the name of the album was, but it, but it charted, it did well, and then he vanished. Well, and he did a solo, art, a solo album with O'Sherry that was on it around that time. But Steve yep. Perry is more famous he's probably got more success right now because don't stop believing in the last how many years has become this classic again uh than when he was probably singing yeah absolutely that's one of those phenomenal stories along with bohemian rhapsody yes toto's africa anyway i know you're running out. that's okay let's keep rolling here i already mentioned this guy's name you'll figure this one out We already mentioned his name. Did well, you sort of. You'll watch him oh, on what? YouTube. Daryl Hall. Oh, Daryl Hall. Yeah, they left John Oates at home. Somehow Oates got screwed out of a role in this thing. Maybe he was in the chorus in the back row or something. Tells you something about who the people in Hollywood and the music industry thought was really driving that duo. Yeah, maybe they didn't like his mustache at that stage. I don't know. How could you not? That's All right. A great soup strainer. <laughs> Here we go. Back to a familiar voice. All right, that's Michael Jackson. So let's keep yeah. rolling into the next one. The power of love. Oh, yeah. Another great rock and roll voice, Huey Lewis. You got it. Huey Lewis. Uh, okay, we're, we're steamrolling through. And Huey Lewis, sadly, they kind of gave it up too. I think something happened to his voice at one point. Literally, I think he had a, like a medical thing with his throat, with his voice, and he's not doing much anymore. Great singer, too bad. You'll know this one. Here we go. Besides the fact that you can't understand a word she's saying. Girls just 
still want to have fun. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper, yes. Now, you got Cindy because she has a really, really unique voice. I'll be very impressed if you get this next person who seems to have also faded off the face of the earth. Well, the last yeah, 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 yeah was Cindy Lauper, but who was the beginning of that? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. You, I don't think you'll get this one. All right. Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes. Betty Davis eyes Kim Carnes. Yeah, but that, one. how do you turn one song like Betty Davis eyes into a spot on, in a solo on this album? Anyway. I don't know. Maybe they needed white females in, on that thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they felt that way. Who knows? Here we go. Back into the chorus. How they got this guy in as a singing part, I'm still amazed by. Robert Zimmerman, Bob Rob, Dylan. Bob Dylan. You know, if you're going to pick, of all the, I suppose he's got such a unique voice, but if you're going to pick guys to be singing in this group, I'm I'm a little surprised that Bob Dylan got a spot in this one. Anytime that you use the words Bob Dylan and sing in the same sentence, we've got a problem. It, it's uh, Anyway, he's done okay still. He's still around. He's still doing his thing. Well, He's a phenomenal, legendary writer and composer. It's just his singing is unique. It's not my bag, but I appreciate his talent. All right, we got one more soloist to come after the chorus. See if you can recognize his name after the chorus. You know who that one is? I want to know why they insisted they had to have two blind piano players on this thing. Ray Charles. Ray Charles. And there is a story that was told about this uh, in the Rolling Stones rundown of this. And it was that Stevie Wonder, or, or sorry, Ray Charles at some point said he had to use the washroom. And Stevie Wonder says, here, come with me. And he grabbed him by the arm, and the two of them headed off. And somebody, and and I think it was Lionel Richie was saying it literally was the blind leading the blind to the bathroom, 
and they thought it was so. But they they were fine. They got there. But yeah, Ray Charles, who and the other story from this is that Billy Joel met Ray Charles for the first time at this thing and this is how they got together to do baby grand and and do a bunch of tours and everything else because of their uh, their meeting doing we are the world but yes ray charles the legendary ray charles an uh, absolutely massive talent that guy just amazing it is um it, it is amazing though when you consider that i mean a few of the people on this have died since michael jackson is gone and ray charles is gone and um uh, trying to see who else if anyone else but it, it so many of these people still going. I, you know, the Canadian one we did last week, there were a lot of people that you've never heard from again. And in this one, I yeah. think we named two, maybe three people. The rest are still around and still doing their thing. It's, it's, it is amazing that 35 years almost later, this many people, maybe it says something about talent. I don't know, that if you're talented, you'll always find a way to work. Well, it says something about talent, but it also says something about the music industry because the whole record industry was really in, invented in the United States, and uh, and they know how to promote and market. And so that was always a problem with Canadian talent, was getting it promoted and marketed, as we discussed last week, you know, with the exception of greats like Brian Adams and the Guess Who and a few others. Um, they didn't have the machine behind them, and a lot of these artists did, and so they, they got pushed in and got the traction they needed to give them the longevity. That's one theory that I have, anyway. It is, uh, it is, we are the world, and again, it's Christmas time, these songs are being played, you've probably heard it uh, the last little while, I wanted to have Jamie back on to do this, because Jamie's a big music fan and loves this stuff, as you can hear, he named almost every single one. Not getting Kim Carnes, I'm not going to hold that against you. Well, you should, because I should be ashamed of myself for not getting that, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's so truth. obvious, yeah, right. If there was anybody listening who said, Kim Carnes, I want to hear from you, we'd probably find a job for you, working for one of the chorus stations. Jamie? Have appreciate you doing this. Thanks for filling in today too for Scott, and uh, really appreciate you taking some time. Always a pleasure. Sorry I was late. I'm glad I didn't miss. It was a lot of fun. Have a great night. You Happy too. Birthday. Say hi to Santa. Okay. Bye. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.